Today is the 100th anniversary of the Walt Disney Company. Founded on October 16, 1923, Walt and Roy agreed to produce a series of Alice cartoon shorts. It was a start that was clouded by bankruptcy, unemployment, and illness. But that start has endured and is now one of the most successful, if not the most successful, entertainment organizations in the world. We celebrate the anniversary today by sharing with you the first chapter in A Century of Powerful Disney Insights, Volume 1, The Walt and Roy Disney Years. I'll impart just how all this came to be 100 years ago and what messages it has to you as you move into the next century. Join us as we share how Walt Disney got started with a suitcase and a dream. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and give us a rating, review, or referral to others if you could. Also, check out Disney Insights where we offer key points, photos, videos, links, and more. While there at Disney, insights.com please subscribe to that site where you can be notified of upcoming posts and podcasts also check out our facebook page and youtube page both named disney insights so without further ado let's turn to the first chapter of a century of powerful disney insights a suitcase and a dream are how people often refer to the storyteller statue at the end of Buena Vista Street in Disney California Adventure. Captured just life-size is a bronze image of Mickey and Walt heading into California to pursue a new life. As Walt stated, quote, It was July 1923. I packed all of my worldly goods, a pair of trousers, a checkered coat, a lot of drawing materials, and the last of the fairy tale reels we had made in a kind of frayed cardboard suitcase. And with that wonderful audacity of youth, I went to Hollywood, arriving there with just $40. It was a big day, the day I got on that Santa Fe California Limited. I was just free and happy, end of quote. Of course, Mickey's not there yet, that won't happen until 1928. This is 1923, and it's just months before October 16th when Walt will move forward with a new business. At this point, when Walt left Missouri for California, he had something better than a mouse waiting for him. He had his brother, Roy. Together, what brought them to this moment prior to October 16th was a lot more ominous than just a suitcase and a dream. It was more like bankruptcy, illness, and unemployment. Bankruptcy was not in very young Walt's plans. Rather, he had established a company known as Laughograms that produced one-minute cartoons, a sort of program filler for small neighborhood theaters. He started doing shorts based on fairy tales like Little Red Riding Hood and Jack and the Beanstalk. But beyond the deposit, the distributor never made a payment and Walt quickly became broke. 
a local dentist, Thomas McCrum, inquired about having a film produced to promote dental health. For $500, Walt created Tommy Tucker's Tooth. But Walt was looking for something more. A cartoon competitor, Max Fleischer, had created an out-of-the-inkwell series that portrayed animated cartoons in a physical world. Walt thought to reverse that by putting a human figure in a cartoon world. He would call it Alice's Wonderland, but he ran out of money trying to finish it. To that end, he wrote Margaret Winkler, a leader in the silent animation business of the 1920s, who agreed to purchase and distribute the film that he simply didn't have the money. He would soon go into bankruptcy proceedings that would nag him until creditors received 45% of their claim years later. Meanwhile, he needed a new start. But where? The specter of illness wasn't about Walt. It was about his brother, Roy, who was already in California. And it was an infectious disease that sent him there. He had been back in Kansas City working at First National Bank, close to Walt, as they had been growing up. Roy was dating Edna, and they were looking forward toward the prospects of marriage. It was about the time that he came down with influenza twice. The doctor thought Roy needed his tonsils removed. Roy and Walt's brother Herb recommended a doctor who could remove them over lunch so Roy wouldn't have to miss work. But after the procedure, he began to hemorrhage and Herb took Roy to the hospital. The doctor may have been a quack, but the hospital x-rays revealed a spot located on Roy's lung. It was tuberculosis, probably acquired while Roy was serving in the Navy. He was assigned to a veterans hospital in Santa Fe, New Mexico, then transferred to another one in Tucson, Arizona. Roy found Santa Fe too cold and Tucson too hot. When he felt well enough, he came to Glendale, California, outside of Los Angeles and adjacent to Burbank. There he suffered another relapse and was assigned to a hospital in West Los Angeles. Still, he corresponded with Walt, who was desperate in Kansas City. Quote, Kid, I think you should get out of there. I don't think you could do any more for it. End of quote. In July of 1923, Walt came with a suitcase and a dream and was very much unemployed. He moved in with his uncle Robert, then went to visit his brother Roy, who was concerned about his brother's skinniness. Hey kid, haven't you been eating? I'm supposed to be the sick one. So now you're in LA, and what are you going to do with yourself? Walt replied, I don't know. I've given up on animation, but I've come to get into show business somehow. I think I'll try to become a director. Walt, who had filmed some newsreel footage in Kansas City, printed a business card stating he was a member of the press and used it to get past the studio gates. At one point, he had a meeting with a secretary at Metro. Yes, I, I had my own studio in Kansas City. I make cartoons and live action films. Perhaps you've heard of me. The secretary's response? No, I can't say that I have. In Bob Thomas's biography, he notes Roy as saying about Walt, Quote, tomorrow was always going to be the answer to all his problems. During the period before he got his cartoon contract, he was hanging around 
this town and I kept saying to him, why don't you get a job? And he could have got a job, I'm sure, but he didn't want a job. He'd get himself into Universal, for example, on the strength of applying for a job. Then when he'd get out of the office, he'd just hang around the studio all day and go over some sets and see what was going on. MGM was another favorite spot where he could work that gag, but he had persistency and optimism about him all the time. A drive, end of quote. While Walt thought the best chance of having a cartoon business was back in New York, Roy persisted with the idea of Walt going back to making animated pictures. Taking the Alice's Wonderland picture he had done in Kansas City, Walt considered a new series based on Alice. Margaret Winkler made him an offer. Roy had saved money from his disability pension and put in 200. The brothers went to their uncle for an advance of 500 to get them started. Their parents, Eliza, Elias and Flora, also put a mortgage on their home in Portland and loaned them about 2,500. It was primarily their family who helped them out. Bankruptcy, illness, and unemployment, these are the circumstances that led up to their watershed moment on October 16th, 1923. Walt and Roy signed a contract with M.J. Winkler for the distribution of six initial Alice comedies for the price of $1,500 apiece and six more at $1,800 apiece with an option for two more series. And what about that suitcase and a dream? The dream represented everything that a future and a new beginning could bring. A new start, new opportunities, new hope. The suitcase was cardboard and held extraordinarily little contents inside it. But what it really held was what Walt had learned at that time. Perseverance. Family. Optimism. The statue Disney California Adventure is positioned in a quite different way than the elevated partner statue that sits in front of the castles at Disneyland, Walt Disney World, and elsewhere. It's still Mickey and Walt, but it's a seasoned pair that represents success and what can be accomplished when working together hand in hand. The suitcase and a dream storyteller statue sits at ground level and subtly suggests that Walt is no different than you and me. We can build our own future with our dreams and the life experiences we hold in our hands and heart. Perseverance, family, optimism. If Walt could do it, you can do it. In my book, each chapter ends with what I refer to as ideas for the next century. If Walt and Roy created ideas for the last century, what ideas could we take for the next century? Consider how you can make the magic come alive for you. Ask yourself, what circumstances surrounding you now are moving toward change? What life experiences are packed inside your suitcase? What is the dream that gives you hope 
determination, and persistence. And finally, instead of saying tomorrow as the answer to your problems, can you seek and find it in today? It is from there that the Alice comedies turned into Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, and Oswald became Mickey Mouse. Mickey led to the Silly Symphonies, and the Silly Symphonies paved the way for Walt's first full-length animated feature, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Snow White led to a legacy of amazing full-length animated features, Fantasia, Pinocchio, Bambi, and others. And those films gave Walt experience and courage to go into live action, documentaries, and television. Television enabled Walt to build Disneyland. And Disneyland became the blueprint for something much bigger, Walt Disney World. All of this happened not just because of Walt's persistent vision, but because of his brother Roy's persistent love and support of his brother. Even after Walt's passing, Roy's leadership led to the fulfillment of Walt's dream and for the company to move forward as it has today. This is the Walt Disney Company. But once upon a studio, it began with two brothers. Speaking of once upon a studio, I assume you've seen the new short the company put out for the 100th anniversary. Please be sure to see it many times if you haven't already. Know that behind every one of those characters are scores of people who made those characters come to life over the decades. It could have been a lead animator, a writer, an actor giving voice, an ink and paint artist, a cameraman, an archivist, a trainer, a third hour security guard, or a custodial host. Everyone brought together the possibilities of creating a place where these characters and stories could come to life. Since Monday, October 16th is not only the 100th anniversary of the company, but my birthday, I will be celebrating there in the parks at Walt Disney World. In the months to come, I will be sharing one chapter from each of the decades over the last 100 years. I guess that means I better have Volume 2 fairly well underway in five months. You can count on Disney Insights to share the great things of this last century and to help you liken those experiences with your own life's work. In the meantime, be sure to visit Amazon and get your own copy of A Century of Powerful Disney Insights. The link can also be found on the podcast notes as well as the blog that covers this podcast on DisneyInsights.com. Mel wrote recently, very entertaining, informative, thorough, and this writer has a wonderful way of words. Everything you want to know about Disney in one magical book. It's really hard to put down, so fun to read, end of quote. Thanks, Mel, and thanks to all of those who have taken the time to search out this book and to take a read. And uh, we're excited. We're excited for the messages and the opportunities that are ahead of us. We 
wish you a happy 100th anniversary wherever you are. Always remember, whatever you do, always follow the compass of your heart. Happy 100th anniversary to all who love the legacy of Walt Disney. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon. Thank you.